Hello, listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of EdgeGuard Podcast, a podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. My name is Jordan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Blake. What up? It's me. We're back, baby. We, after a, a brief one-week hiatus, mm. uh, Blake has returned to us uh, just in time for the collapse of the Republic, and oh uh, he, he just missed it. I almost missed it. He's going to be here in time. And uh, and he thought, what better way to celebrate the end times than by uh, recording a podcast? And so, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I as I was uh, heading out to Japan, all friends and colleagues were like, "Are you sure you should be doing that? It's uh, kind of uh, you know crazy." You well, know, when you were leaving, it was like the idea was if you're going to East Asia, you're going to yeah. the coronavirus. No, uh, little, little did, did we know. know. At the time. Little did I know that while I was there, things were being managed pretty well, and I felt safe pretty much the entire time, only to come back into a fucking hellfire. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> of uh, America, which I mean, honestly, it's like f- fair enough. We're, you know, trying to slow things down, but uh, not, wasn't a particularly appealing thing to be like, hey, you're here in this nice place where things are being managed well. How about you go back? Or at least, I guess it's unclear if they're being managed well yeah. or simply ignored. I, I hear uh, Jap- Japan's doing it uh, like uh, a passable job. Like they're doing yeah. good, not great. I think uh, I think they're they're a little bit better about preventative measures just because they're like careful about stuff already. Um, sure. But also I've heard some stuff about their government uh, doing a similar thing to our government. We're trying to get as f- like... N- not have as many confirmed cases so just yeah. not testing people yeah. uh is so as to not cause panic yeah um but See. anyway oh, neither none of that is here nor there no crazy times right now yeah basically if you're anywhere i mean i think what, yeah Australia, at this New point Zealand, yeah it is yet? it is truly global now yeah so um hopefully we can uh distract you from yeah while uh, you're in quarantine you. as you should be blake and i both are yeah, uh, of you know, you should, or I guess really social distancing. I'm still going grocery shopping and stuff, but, oh, uh, sure. but you know, with precautions, uh, what better way to spend your, uh, time in isolation than the edge podcast? Yeah. Uh, listen to us talk about games, maybe play the games we talk about, you know, depending on what, what your tastes are. Uh, yeah. and the game we're talking about today is from a creator or should we say creators that you, may be familiar with if you're a longtime listener of the podcast that is the sock pop collective uh which is our favorite dutch game design collective or danish i I always forget i'm pretty sure i think dutch that sounds right Nederlanders. Uh, yes yes. and uh, uh they are they have a really cool uh sort of um setup they all uh it's four of them i believe uh, yeah, there might be five or six. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, they, they might have grown. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they, um, they basically all live together and split the proceeds of their games. And then they have, uh, the games come out on like a subscription basis. They have a Patreon and, uh, that's what they do. Um, and they do, a, uh, a large number of generally smaller games. I'm just looking at the itch page for the game we played today. Uh, and it is, they have at least 57 games. You can buy a bundle of 57 games from them. So very prolific bunch. Uh, but today we're playing one game of theirs by the name of Featherfall, um, which is available on itch or steam, uh, for $3. Uh, and it's described as a souls like action RPG, which I think is a pretty good, 
uh, description. Mm. Uh, it's like bird themed. You play as this bird <laughs> that hatches from an egg, and then you you kind of move around in a um, vaguely top down perspective, maybe almost like like isometric, but three. It's like three D. Um, uh, action RPG, a little bit like uh, Dark Souls in sort of uh, tone and uh, mechanical themes. You know, it's mm. about uh, trying to get from checkpoint to checkpoint um, and then fighting bosses that can be, uh, you know, a little bit grueling. A um, pain in the ass. Yes, <laughs> certainly some of them can. Some of them, I uh, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more as we get into it, but some of them I feel like had the Dark Souls... Uh, um, grammar down a little more than others like some of them really had the you know you die to them two or three times and then you you get the feeling for yeah. the for the kill the them sort with of only pace. taking one or two hits yeah and then you kill them without getting too hurt once you do it. there's one in specifically that i i felt that way about it's one that i know you didn't get to um but that's another thing to say about this game is it's substantially longer than the games we normally play for this uh this podcast mm. i was misled by uh, a YouTuber that I watch. He played a bunch of uh, all the games he could find that were like indie games ascribed to Souls likes. And this one came up and he said it was an hour long. Uh, that mm. was false. Uh, it is like, it's, I beat it in uh, two hours and 10 minutes, but I cheated. I glitched through some wow. walls. So I think beating it, honestly, it could take between three and four. Uh, yeah, we should say this is uh, about, it's three bucks, right? Uh, it's yeah, available on Steam. I'm sure it's available on Itch as well. It is. So normally yeah. the Sock Pop games, they're available as part of their like Patreon subscription thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after like six, I think six months or something. I don't know. They they released a big batch of them on Steam recently. Yes, they did. In the last two or three months. In response just, like, to their two year like anniversary. As a, oh, is that what it was? Of their Patreon. Of their Patreon. So like two years. Gotcha. That's kind of like two years that they've been like a serious, uh, sure. uh, you know doing yeah. this full-time kind of situation nice uh, so so yeah, yeah. So, so good for them um yeah go go check it out on steam maybe subscribe if you like their games we've played several i mean i would like to say we've played a lot of their games but they put out so many that we've you know barely scratched the surface yeah. honestly <laughs> true it depends on what your metric for a lot is yeah, yeah they they have a lot of games uh that are like um uh short homages to other games so we played one sure. game that was like a runescape homage and mm-hmm. this one is obviously a bit of a Dark Souls homage. Uh, so that's a, a theme that uh, recurs. And and then also they really have a um, they have a style, especially a visual sure. style like the 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 animation of all their games feels uh, very familiar. They use the same font for everything like it's yeah. like the sock pop well, font. I don't know what it is, you, but do you remember when this so when they dumped all their games on Steam, there was like this. Uh, was it a tweet or was it an article that someone wrote? I think it was a, it was just like a tweet thread uh, of some guy who follows like the, um, that six second steam trailers account uh, where he mm. was like, quote tweeting all these, like, look at all these games that came out. They all look exactly the same. <laughs> oh, and he were was they like, all sock pop games? They were all the sock pop games. <laughs> and it was like, he did this whole like diatribe about how games need to have a unique art style to set themselves apart. And then he did, it was like a pretty popular games Twitter guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to name drop a, cause I'm not sure that I remember exactly who it was and B just because I try not to get in the habit of such things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he kind of showed his whole ass, uh, and got called out and then he was like, well, even so, even if one studio is making all of them, they, they really shouldn't be making all their games look the same. It's like, 
okay, dude, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's clear um, you just didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, it is like, I, it's, it's interesting because they all have like sort of unifying traits. Um, but they, they, they managed to find some variance and like distinction within their sort of like visual aesthetic yeah. that, um, I think, I think to say like all of their games look the same is uh, reductive. Um, and I do think that like them having visual similarities. I mean, it's kind of like, I think about it this way, like the Simpsons and Futurama both come from Matt Groening. Yeah. Have yeah. A similar visual style, but are distinct in, uh, some key ways. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's got there. It's just got the, you know, like their mark on it. It's like, uh, yeah. I, I, they just have, I, I think style's the right word, you know, like some, you know, in, you know, writers have a distinctive, style sure. that kind of comes through in all their novels even if they're about vastly different topics yeah I think or they, like they aaron sorkin a, or or something you can hear yeah aaron sorkin totally. dialogue from a yes. mile away 100 um, percent. yeah so i'm curious actually if they have like a set of guidelines they use or they just sort of um i i, I, I would be curious if they have um, I bet they I bet they cannibalize a lot of their own like uh like oh, re- sure. reuse. I mean they have to. They the free uh, yeah. the amount of like games they release. Yeah, and that's like, just smart. I mean, I'm sure they all they just have like a shared pool of of assets that they yeah. all can use and I know they all work together. I know um so I, I actually have like met and spoken to time one of the Tio, members right? of Sock Pop. Yeah, Time and Tio. It's a long time ago at this point. God. Yeah. Three three years ago. I guess GDC would have been like last week. So yeah, like almost exactly three years ago. Damn dude. Um and uh from what I talked to him it seemed like they uh kind of like sometimes two of them will work together on games. Sometimes it'll kind of be like one person's game and then the others will just like sort of play it and give feedback. Um, but they put it all out together because, uh, you know, they kind of like operate sort of as, uh, you know, a single, uh, unit. Yeah. It's so a game I think design it's, it's cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, why don't you go ahead and, uh, start off? Do you have, I think you probably will have more thoughts about this game than I did just cause you played it more. Uh, um, yeah. I'm um, so let's see what to say about this game. Um, so I, well, let's, uh, let's start with what it gets, uh, what I felt like it got, uh, right. Um, so I, I just want to say, I love the, the like world of this game. I felt like it just, uh, it had a similar, um, it had, you know, they did a very good job of like, uh, capturing the, like the world design grammar of, of dark souls like the mm. the sort of like looping interconnectedness of the areas uh you mm. may not have got a huge uh taste of this with how much you um played it but the the like um a lot of the the sort of like checkpoints you reach for uh for certain areas are not um actual uh bonfires in, in this game they're nests uh mm. but are shortcuts to ones you've been yeah, uh, I experienced before. that. Yeah, so I, I I felt like that was really good. The I, it's possible they went a little bit. Um, I th- I don't know the degree to which this is the limit of the the like pseudo two dimensional uh, mm. style of this game, but it's easy to get lost. Um, mm. I and in Dark Souls that's true a little bit as well, but I think that uh, one of the advantages of the the more three dimensional uh game is it's like uh it's easier to uh cognitively map yourself 
when you mm. can kind of see uh, height in addition to like distance. Like, you know, you yeah. from wherever you are, you can kind of look up and be like, oh, yeah, that was that area I was going. And yeah. Um, Whereas yeah, this one, a lot of the, some of the like kind of alleys and straightaways start to look, look the same as each other. And you're like, wait a second, where, where am I? I, I, uh, I couldn't find the freaking, um, dude that you give the, I forgot what oh, called, the, the feathers yeah. to, to upgrade your weapon. I found uh -huh. him once the first time I found one. And the next time I found one, I just like for the life of me could not remember where couldn't he was. Him. And so, yeah. yeah, I will say there's, I think the, probably the, the biggest thing for that is that the ground is like pretty much always just like green. Uh, so it's a yeah. little bit harder. Cause like in dark souls, a lot of times it's like each area has like a theme, right? So it's like, yeah, they, so the each, I would say each major area has a theme. Cause there's the, so there's like the main area is just like normal green. And then yeah. you go to the, the sort of like graveyardy place. This is when you went to as yeah. well. That's, it's kind uh -huh. of like yellowy and there's like skulls here and there and, and like signs that it's a, you know, some sort of battleground. There's like swords and stuff. And then there's yeah. a swamp area. And then there's a final, like, I don't oh, even know gotcha. what it is. It's like a cliff area. But, mm -hmm. um, but within each of those main areas, which, uh, do feel kind of distinct. It's a little bit just like kind of their lightness versus darkness. Uh, sure. within those areas. Yeah. It totally is just like, uh, very yeah. difficult to, to remember which turn is which because they, they kind of start to look like each other. Sure. Um, I did want to say this, uh, game, the style sort of reminded me of, uh, did you ever play Bastion? No, it doesn't ring a bell. Oh, Bastion, dude, you gotta play Bastion. Bastion's great. You can get it on your switch. It's come out on everything by this point. Huh. Um, but it takes place on like in like this city in the sky. And in that game, there's this whole, um, element where the ground is like rising up underneath you but the thing that reminded me of is that you're like up in the sky and it's like a very similar perspective to this um and so you're sort of like walking around in this environment that's like floating in blackness and if you fall off the side then you like take some damage so that in that it was very similar and i think the construction of the areas had a, a similar vibe to to bastion um you should you should really go play bastion Oh, I should. Jordan. It sounds interesting. It's and great. You know, it's got I, like it's a quarantine days. What was that? I was just saying it's quarantine days, so I got all the time for games. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a relatively quick one. It's got like a narrator that describes what you do as you do it. It's oh, kind of an weird. interesting narrative. It's kind of a gimmick. I mean, it's a it's an older game at this point. I think it came out like twenty twelve, maybe twenty thirteen. Hmm. But it's uh it's great. You can get it on your Switch for like ten bucks or something. Huh. Anyway, okay. that's beside the point. Uh, back to Featherfall. Uh -huh. Um, I did want to talk about like, I feel like the thing that sort of sets this game apart from other games of its ilk. I would say something like. Um, Hyperlight Drifter is kind of trading in in a similar mm. vibe where it's kind of got like deliberate combat, you know, tougher yeah. healing items, kind of like a, a quote unquote souls like vibe. Yeah. Um, but taken to this sort of like is isometric fixed perspective, um, top down, whatever you want to call it type mm -hmm. uh, camera. However, where this game is distinct from that is that you. Uh, or, and other game and basically every other game I've seen of this type is that your character doesn't just uh, look and swing where you are moving your movement oh, yes. and your looking are are separate yeah which for a game that this game as much as it, it is built in 3d 
uh, it basically takes place in two dimensions. Yes. Um, and so for a game that takes place in two dimensions to have you move and look independently is pretty, I would say it's pretty uncommon other mm-hmm. than like, uh, if you have like a twin stick shooter or something, um, but uh, I would say for yeah. like a melee combat game, I, yeah. it's definitely not something. Yeah, I've seen it's very, a lot. it's very, you. I mean, most often it's like a lock on combat type thing, right? Yeah, um, sure. Or a lock on. Well, I would say, or, I would say most often, uh, your character just uh, bases where they're in moving, the direction yeah. where you're moving, and then yeah. also m- does their attacks in that direction. Yeah. Whereas this game, you can be like, I don't know. Uh, running right at something and attacking the opposite direction and totally yes. not hitting anything, which was the definitely the hardest thing to get used to. And at first I was like, I don't yeah. like this. But after probably like 10 or 15 minutes, I kind of started getting the feel for it. Um, yeah. And I, I actually ended up kind of thinking it made the game a little bit more uh, interesting because it was something you had to uh, be a little bit more thoughtful about. Yeah. Um, you know, this is going to sound weird, but that's something that I liked as a design element, but not as a player. Uh, I don't, Mm. I don't know how to put it better than that. Like, and, and maybe this is just like, I needed to play it longer in order to get a feel for it. But I thought that Mm. was a, I I thought that was a, an interesting and, um, and unique way to handle combat in a game like this. And I was glad that they had explored that as a mechanic, but it just never quite clicked for me as like a thing. Mm. It just like, even, um, uh, you know, having played it for two hours, I still was like sometimes having a problem of like my shield not being the direction I wanted it to be. Uh, Yeah. Well, well I will say uh, as much as I like got a little bit used to it and ended up kind of liking it, uh, it was uh, kind of for the same scholastic purpose that you're describing. Yeah. And I do think that there's, um, I think that there's maybe some room for improve or there's definitely room for improvement. I think there are some things that could be done to sort of make it, work a little better or at least tried right um because i do agree that like i think from a controls perspective um it doesn't work as well because uh you can't be running and moving and also change it like you can't be um holding the run button which is a and turning your look at the same time with like a standard Xbox controller. Yeah, that's actually, true. I actually have an Xbox Elite controller, which I use. It has the paddles on the back. So uh, I actually, uh, I recently replayed Dark Souls and I ended up binding uh, all four of the paddles on the back. So I didn't have to take my thumbs off the stick ever during combat. Uh, mm. I thought about doing that for this game, but I was like, no, I feel like that kind of like, goes against i I don't want to uh you know have a a leg up over jordan or or, you know i feel like it would taint (laughs) uh you know (laughs) my thoughts about it a little bit because i do think that that would have made it much easier and much uh it made it way easier to get a handle on if i could uh you know dodge out of the way without um changing where my character is facing because that ends up being the thing you kind of have to like think about the most is you kind of like sprint around uh, enemies not looking at them and then when the time comes to attack them then it's like all right quick gotta look yeah. at yeah um which yeah it does feel a little bit weird but i i kind of I, I think i agree with you that it maybe is more of an interesting idea than it is fun to play uh but i that doesn't mean i think it should be abandoned i think that there's yeah. definitely yeah i don't know yeah i don't know if i if it's something that um i couldn't uh, come to also enjoy on the level of a player. 
Uh, mm. uh, but I I do know I I immediately was intrigued by it uh, when when I noticed because like I wonder if there might be some way to um, have like uh, like the equivalent of aim assist uh, mm. like whenever oh, maybe sure. whenever you swing at an enemy uh, like whichever enemy is closest to you it'll just kind of turn you a little bit towards them or something like that I could see yeah, that being or just, that being good just fudge it a little bit so yeah, just a little it wouldn't have to be very quite much. all the way there yeah that'd be interesting yeah. i don't know i mean it seems like something that probably hasn't been you know like uh first person twin sticks is so so familiar that like a million different things have been tried for like smoothing out how it feels but that's uh, oh sure but in this format it's a much uh you know a lot of untrod ground there so there's probably a lot of room for experimenting with ways to uh to get the feel uh good yeah i agree i do think uh one thing is just like if i could have a an indication of where my character is pointed oh yeah even I just a little like dot be, a little dot or something yeah, yeah just because just because like the fact that uh you're, you're like, just a, a round blob it sometimes makes it hard yeah to tell and like the, it kind of like generally is like your sword is out to like just to the side yeah but, like it can it can be kind of unclear exactly where you're pointing at a yeah. given time so there were times where i like thought i was pointed right at an enemy mm-hmm. especially if you tried the weapon like the lance the lance i found extremely hard to use <laughs> because yeah uh, i've tried it a little bit so uh you know i i'm just realizing this now but my favorite weapon was the chain i don't know if you ever acquired just this one chain or was it like a flail well no it was just a chain it like was literally what? a chain and you sort of like swing it like in a really wide uh oh. arc and oh. it, it was very it's much easier to aim because your hitbox was very uh you know it was a, yeah, a, a big arc generous um and so and in fact uh something else i didn't realize until i was playing probably an hour in uh you mm-hmm. can charge you can charge up your attacks yeah. and every weapon has a special attack um mm-hmm. most of them it's just like a big swing or something like that but for the sure. chain you do this double spin almost like links oh, yeah. links like charge up spin and oh, it sure. it makes it so you don't have to be aiming at all because you can uh it's It'll a full spin all around you yeah. interesting so i found that to be without a without a doubt the best and, and huh. easiest to use weapon uh, because i felt like it I, I felt like it matched the mechanics very well um, yeah well it's interesting because that actually uh, brings me to something another thing i wanted to say um which is that sort of like the way that hitting and blocking works in this game so i'll i'll sort of start with where why i came to this realization well what i think is a realization maybe it's uh not quite totally true but basically i was having this thing where i kept taking hits when i felt like i shouldn't have been Um, yeah like there were times when i was like right next to an enemy was pointing right at them and had my shield up and i'd still get hit and basically what i ended up kind of intuiting from that at first i was really frustrated i'm like what the hell why am i getting hit but then uh what i was realizing is that the um the way they've modeled the the like the blocking and defending it's like even if your shield is in the way of something if like the if the blade touches you at any point that still is like gonna hurt you which is obviously like more like real life yeah Uh, yeah. but it makes it so that like if the depending on what arm your shield is on which i think i don't think you can change that right it's always on the on the left arm right i'm pretty sure yeah Um, 
So if an enemy is swinging at you from the right, yeah. then it's more likely to hit you if you're pointing your, sh- if you're like looking straight at them. Whereas yes. if you're looking a little bit more to their right, you'd be more likely yeah. to block that, which I, like I said, at first I found that frustrating, but then after a while I was kind of like, Oh, this is actually kind of like, it's kind of fun to, yeah, to think have to about how I blocks. can. Yeah. Although I think it might be uh, even more fun if like you could uh, like pick which direction your swing comes out from because what i what i found is that i was using like the the sword uh it's just like the soldier sword it has like a pretty standard like arcing swipe yeah but um the the weapons all have like uh, little combos as well so basically you swipe once to the right then back to the left and then do a little thrust and a lot of times you'd swipe once to the right it'd get blocked by the enemy shield because that's which side the shield is on their left side uh, and then when you swing back to the left then you'd hit them even if their shield was up because you'd be hitting on the the other side of their body where they you know their shield wasn't covering mm-hmm. as much of their body uh, and so I think like it might have been kind of fun to be able to control which way you were swinging to try and like tactically be like all right I'm gonna block this or that um, because I, I but I did end up like kind of thinking that was fun. So I'm curious. Yeah. I didn't ever get the chain, but I'm curious how the chain sort of fit or felt within that framework of, uh, you know. Yeah, I I'll, I'll admit that I so this game, um, this game is very hard. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and so I, I one of the things that happens in a very hard uh, game where you get punished for losing, uh, even if it's just punished in the sense of you get sent back to your sure. checkpoint, is you, you know, that gives a very strong incentive to find the cheese strats. And sure. uh, and I found that the cheesiest strat I had was the tower shield and the chain. Oh, and the so tower shield is, it was good. It was very good because it, it uh, you know, because the blocking is not just a kind of like binaristic are you blocking or yeah. are you not? It, it, the area of your body that it covers matters. And so yes. the tower shield mm-hmm. covers a lot. I did find that the the trade-off did hurt, which is that you can't dodge very far. Um, you move so slow. You move too. so slow. But the the stamina regen is enough that I didn't find I was ever getting running out of stamina for the most part if I was just, uh, yeah. just uh, shield walling up. But you just basically hold the tower shield and then charge up your your chain and whenever you do the spin you also move a bit so usually you don't get uh like you kind of jump forward as you do it so i mm-hmm. found that i wasn't getting counterattacked very much when i did that so gotcha. i i it thought that it that was my best uh combo um, yeah uh, but yeah once no i, I did I got the oh go, oh, ahead. go ahead i was gonna say i just um the si- similar thing with the the shield aiming um that I I was I was intrigued about that as a mechanic. Like it's that you have to think about the, your your avatar's like um, mm. body rather than just like whether or not you have your finger on the block button. You have to like think about sure. the, the sort of like th- their three D space um, mm. and whether the shield will actually intercept the the sword. And again, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, mm. But I found that as a player i was most often just like i'm gonna use the tower shield because it's the closest to the the on off blocking state that sure that you can have yeah i mean i i guess the same is also true for me once i got the tower shield i used it for the rest of the time i played so yeah um yeah it's interesting uh that you're kind of mentioning like yeah these things were interesting but i didn't end up actually uh i ended up kind of avoiding them because they were more difficult than they or less, maybe less fun or less conducive to success in the game. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting, man, because, you know, having fun, interesting mechanics is cool, but sometimes interesting things are not necessarily as good. Or yeah. maybe, I don't know, it's like you have to, um, you have to make... I don't, I don't, I don't have a cohesive thought here. I, I thought I did, but I lost it. Well, so. yeah, maybe just that there's a, you know, there's, there is a gap between like, like feel and ideas or something like that. I don't know. Just that it's Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it's something the, that the, I think. The thing you appreciate as like, uh, uh, on like, uh, as a clever bit of game design may not always mm. be the thing that feels good in your hands or something like or that. Or even, or even something that's, um, uh, sort of meant to pull you out of your comfort zone. I think I think that's something that Dark Souls in trades heavily. I think a lot of people are like, oh, the the reason Dark Souls has a reputation for being really hard is that it's all about subverting your expectations and not letting the player off easy almost ever. Um, not to say that uh, like everything about it is uh you know horribly difficult but just that it works in ways that games normally don't so it was kind of like this revelation the first time you played dark souls because it was like oh man the, the even the like fodder enemies can kill me in five hits if i yeah uh, am if i'm lazy and even if i'm not lazy i can get overwhelmed so easily whereas yeah. like normally you just like in a game you're given you know 25 and you know fodder enemies just kill them all really fast and none of them really pose that much of a threat to you mm-hmm. um so th- there's a there's a there's a difficult balance to strike of like okay well at what point is something that's kind of like oh that seems challenging and uh not not the uh the standard video game answer for how to do this thing uh but sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it's good. And sometimes having it be tricky or not what the player is expecting doesn't actually add that much to the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that was a really <laughs> rambly way to try and say that. <laughs> um, uh, so that, that kind of gets me to the, so we didn't. We haven't talked much about the bosses, um, uh-uh. and something that's something I definitely wanted to touch on. So there's seven bosses. Uh, I only encountered uh, five out of seven of them, and I finished the game. And I only beat four out of seven of them because there's a way to get past the last boss without beating them. Um, mm. uh, I felt that. Um, so I, I, my impression is that you felt similar, but some of these bosses are crazy hard. It like like a few of them felt almost impossible. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, do I, you feel the same way? I didn't get to any that I thought were impossible. It just felt like I would have to go. I mean, there was really only one that it felt like. I mean, I only uh, encountered three, killed two, and the third one I got to him, and I was like, mm, yeah, I think I would have to like go fight some other stuff and upgrade my stuff some more or yeah. find a better weapon uh, in order for this to be feasible which i think is another way that this game channels dark souls effectively is that you can wander in i think part of getting lost in this game actually uh, adds to that effect of like oh well you're just wandering around in one area and you wander into another area and it's like oh these guys are really hard i need to go yeah. somewhere else <laughs> yeah totally i need to backtrack and find another path but anyway um yeah i had one there's just like this boss is like breathing fire and hopping around and killed yeah. me in two hits and i'm like yeah i think maybe i'm gonna stop playing this so, game because so <laughs> i watched the video of that one and that was the one that i it seemed super hard because the fire you can't shield through um nope. and it has a big enough area that it seems like it'd be very hard to dodge through it even 
Um, sure. Uh, so yeah, that one seems super tricky. Um, and then the final boss, I was like, what the fuck? This guy's so hard. Uh, yeah. but there are a few things you can do. First of all, I was under leveled in terms of, uh, weapon upgrades. So I wasn't doing hardly any damage to him. Secondly, uh, you can get like the equivalent of Knight Solaire, uh, for that fight. Uh, like a guy oh, who what? comes and helps you. Can you can summon? Well, yeah, so I, I didn't actually figure out how, but after you beat... <laughs> but you can do but it. But you can do it. But after I beat this one boss, you get this uh, piece of paper that's like the queen's royal decree or something oh, like that. Oh, you give it to that guy who was talking about how sad, how he was sad about the queen yes. dying Yes, I forgot whatever. his name, like Tombin mm. or something. Tombin. Tombin, yes, Tombin. You go back to Tombin and he says, when the time comes, I will fight by your side. And then I was mm. fighting, I was fighting the final boss. I was like, Tombin, uh, I'm waiting. <laughs> so and I don't actually know. Up. I watched a video of someone else fighting with Tombin, so it's definitely possible. I just don't know what you have to do to make him show up. Um, interesting but I so that would make it much easier and then also if I had enough uh, damage on my my weapon that would make it easier Um, sure if you were able to find the guy to upgrade it again yeah yeah forever the the hell that guy was hiding Um, (laughs) because I had two so I presumably could have upgraded it to a plus three Um, wow but um, there so the one boss fight that I really did enjoy was the beholder this was one Mm. that you you didn't get to it was called nope I think it was literally just called the beholder. I had like a name like Mardu the beholder or something. Mm-hmm. But um I I felt like it had a very um uh like learnable grammar to it. So he's like this big floating purple ball and he sure. does this attack where there's like this a little flash of white light right by you and then so you have a second to respond to it and then uh, like an explosion will happen. Um, and he'll do that like four times in quick succession. So you have to keep moving whenever he does that. And uh, then he'll do this attack where he'll like bounce on the ground and then he'll occasionally spawn these little tadpoles. Um, mm. And so once you once you get a feel for the 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 main thing that you have to learn is the timing of the um, the little ground explosions. But once you do, mm. I, I felt like it was very like masterable. Like the first time I fought him, I probably hit him twice before he killed me. And the last time he probably hit me twice. And yeah. uh, and so that was great. I really I just wanted to shout out that the the fact that you um, you can uh, learn it that way was really good. And it really it really I felt like came down to um, like tinkering with the timing on things like it really Mm. i felt like they hit a sweet spot on the timing of the both the area of effect of the explosion and the timing of the explosions if Mm. they if they had a bigger area of effect or if they gave you less time to react it would have felt unfair but it was kind of right in that sweet spot where it's like you had to respond right away um, but so long as you did you could you know never get hit by it um Mm. so yeah i felt like they had really really zeroed that in um, I have a theory as to why that boss might have been better than the others, and it brings me to one of my... Is it because uh, he doesn't have... He's not like you, a sword and shield guy? Because I did feel like every boss that was like a sword and shield dude felt a little unfair. Um, uh, n- no, but I think that will play into what I'm about to describe, which is one of my things why I think maybe uh, this style of game in this exact format is is a, is a bit of a tough sell, uh, which is that... Um, the uh a a big part of what makes uh good bosses work in a game like this where the timing windows are tight and it's really unforgiving is that uh when an attack comes out 
by the time it's hit you, you already know, like you knew before it hit you that you fucked up because yeah. uh, it has a very specific tell that you can see. So the thing that I found with this game that was hard is that because of the way the camera works uh, and the way that enemies work, an enemy can be... So let's say, for example, I'm fighting a boss and I'm standing, uh, you know, the, the, the enemy is between myself and the camera. So I'm facing toward the camera. The enemy is facing toward me. Uh, their wind up for that attack potentially I can't see like if they're oh. if they're like reeling their arm back to hit me depending on the angle of where they're standing you can't see that their arm is getting reeled back to swing yeah. at you and this is something that the Dark Souls games are really good at sometimes people well sometimes um, when they're not it's incredibly infuriating yeah, but it's yes. very obvious but like the when thing the camera is, is kills that, you <laughs> yeah the thing is that I think from software is so good at and why the Dark Souls games um um, are uh, kind of in a, a, a league of their own and I'll count uh, Sekido and Bloodborne in this as well sure. is that their animations are very very good at communicating what is happening and they're really good at making animations that look distinct and I think they actually do it uh, to the detriment of their animations looking natural sometimes I think sometimes their animations can kind of end up looking a little bit weird if you think about their characters as like real people but the reason why is because they know the gameplay importance of you understanding what attack is coming at you um as they're they're winding up to hit yeah. you is much more important than it looking natural or real uh for a game like that so i think it's uh just something that's uh, it's a tough problem to solve for a game like this where whether or not that animation's good uh, is kind of moot if the character is turned in such a way that the animation looks totally different than it does from another angle. Yeah. Um, and so I think generally, uh, you know, in the boss fights where it's like the enemies had a specific tell, there's one specific one where the enemy, like the tell is that they will like, it's that little frog looking thing. So it'll like make its mouth into a little circle right before the tongue shoots out. So you can dodge it. And it's like, if it's back is to the camera, you just can't see that at all. Oh, and so there's, there's there, an there audio, was no audio to tell there, there is an audio cue as well, but sometimes that's not enough or sometimes it doesn't register. Right. And it's, uh, yeah. it's just like one more thing that would make that attack distinct from another attack. Yeah. It's like, if I can't see that, then yeah. I don't know which attack is coming and I might take a hit in a yeah. way that feels unfair. Yeah, that makes sense because the Beholder fight, I feel like the tell is great. Like there's the little yeah. the little like white sparks that happen before the explosion. Exactly. Um, As you were describing it, I was like, Impossible uh -huh. to miss. And impossible to uh -huh. miss from any angle. It's um, no matter mm -hmm. where you are on the battlefield, you'll be able to see it no matter exactly. which way the Beholder is pointed, you'll be able to see it. Yep. So yep. that was As really good. As you were good. describing it. And then also it's, um, it's dodgeable. Like you, I feel like the, there was another boss that you didn't encounter the, um, someone, the tribe leader, I forget her name, but she mm. had these attacks because she had such a long reach that you pretty much had to shield them. And, mm. you know, the shield always feels more cheap than dodging, uh, <laughs> because it, it feels less like, like you've mastered the skill just that you're like, it feels more like rote and mechanical when you're shielding than when you're, mm. when you're like rolling. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the beholder again is totally like, uh, dodgeable. Um, nice. so another, uh, another boss fight that, uh, gave me the, the dark souls frustration that I just wanted to mention because I thought it was funny 
but you fight this uh, knight called the Forgotten Prince. I was bummed you never got to this one because I wanted to see your reaction. But yeah. they have a very Dark Souls moment because, and it's another one where they got the, the timing pretty good on this. Uh, mm. Just past half health, like between yeah. half and a third left. Uh, they got that you, second phase. They have a second phase. And so you wouldn't be able to, the first few times you fight him, he's like super hard. You, you start to get a feel for him. And then it's mm-hmm. like, at least for me, it wasn't until I felt like I was getting a feel for him that I was even able to get him to that much health once. Sure. And then the second uh, buddy pops out. And it's sure. a it's a two boss fight. Uh, I was going to say, this is, so far this is sounding extremely <laughs> Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, so that one I thought was very on the nose. Uh, I don't know if I... It was another one where I was only able to beat it because I discovered... It was actually during that fight that I discovered the tower shield chain uh, cheese strat. Um, nice and and is like you literally just tower shield until you charge up your chain then swing it and it hits both of them and yeah and does a bunch of damage and you're, so. and you're all good you're in the clear you're good to go so that was that was nice. my strat um, nice but that was that was the most that was the moment when I was like ah yes this is Dark Souls <laughs> yeah I mean I think I think definitely like part of them making this game was they're like what if we just like made a game that was like extremely souls like because i mean the the term souls like it's thrown around like pretty loosey yeah and sometimes they just use it to mean really hard ha- and that's yeah. when i hate you if that's or, if that's or what like, you mean by souls like yeah or like it has deliberate combat it's like okay well that's like only like kind of yeah. a small part yeah. of it yeah but this game this- feels like it is like it it they, like they really went through and tried to yeah. You know, to be like, what would happen if we took the, you know, these souls like mechanics and, and action yeah. has enough, like, and, and put them into has the, enough, a different point of view? Yeah, it has enough one to one, like, all right, here's how this works. It's just like Dark Souls that, it, you know, it feels a yeah. little bit more uh, explicit, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, especially for a game of this size. I think it uh, it can it can kind of just work. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to, you know think about it too hard yeah yeah um did you have other things i'm trying to think if i will um i guess just if our listeners are uh want to play the game i got to give you i feel obligated to give you the pro strat which is that uh (laughs) if you any spot where the fence meets the ledge oh you're gonna teach them how to cheat yeah well you don't you think they ought to know Okay, I mean, maybe they don't they want to know, know just because it's funny. Okay, but, well, here's uh, the warning. If you don't want to cheat, stop listening. But well, if you don't the- want to cheat, just don't do it. <laughs> uh, if you have no self-discipline and you don't want to be tempted to cheat, <laughs> stop listening. Um, so you can, uh, there. You when you fall off the ledge, you're like in, invincible for a moment, uh, like really like half a second. Uh, so if you fall off the ledge right next to a fence, you can clip through the fence. Uh, so you can... Uh, you can get to some places uh, before you're supposed to get there. Uh, so there's my there's my pro tip. That's why I was able to beat it in two hours and why I was able to quote unquote beat the final boss. Uh, you can you can do that in the final boss room. I learned that by watching a speed run. Oh, yeah. Wow. So someone's got it down to wait. Two- so you didn't even figure this stuff out yourself. The chain and the shield I did on my own. The that I thought you found the skip by yourself. I didn't realize you just saw it in a speed run. Uh, yeah, sorry, man. I hate to disappoint. Disappointing. (laughs) Well, you just did it, so I don't know how much you really hate it. Uh, Uh, well, did you have anything else other than that, Jordan, about Featherfall? 
Uh, no, that was that was all I had. Um, if you're if you're interested, you should definitely check it out. Uh, Sockpop.itch.io/featherfall. Um, we also will tweet out a link to the game on our uh, on our Twitter. So if you want to play Featherfall, that's what you should do. But um, with that, we can introduce the game we're going to play next week, which is something called Terminal Sixty Four uh, by Big Bag who is a friend, former classmate, and collaborator uh, with Cosmo D, whose games we've played many of. Well, it's a it's a collective. Big I Bag think. is a collective? Oh. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, I come on, die. Jordan. Don't you do your, don't you do your homework? Uh, I do my Big homework. Big Bag, let's see. For the episode Big Bag thereof. of video games and video games and video games and Easton Self... At the Static Man, at Solimporta, who listeners may know as Julian Cordero, mm-hmm. at Metal underscore King Slime, at Funds Workings One, at That Kid Flan. Oh wow, we've actually played games from a lot of these people. Seems like a a, a rogues gallery of uh, yeah. of uh, you know uh, games makers. So I'm excited to uh, see what this people. game is. It looks weird. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a lot of NYU Game Center people whose yeah. games we've played in the past. So. Yeah. But anyways, um, uh, uh, Terminal 64 is uh, a strange, uh, surreal narrative game about Mario who's retired from plumbing and has begun an epic trek into the desert. Uh, and it looks like every bit of the joyous, trippy, wild stuff that we've come to expect from uh, graduates of the NYU Game Center. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be good. So if that's what we'll be playing next week, terminal 64, uh, if you're interested in, uh, playing that game before, uh, the episode or playing along, uh, we will tweet out a link to, um, where you can download the game on itch. Uh, and if you would like that, uh, information, you should follow us on Twitter at EdgeGuardCast is our Twitter handle. That's where we tweet out um, new episodes, uh, podcast announcements, links to the games we play. Um, we also tweet out the creators of the games we play. Um, so if you want to be a part of that conversation at all, definitely follow us there. And if you have a recommendation for a game that you think would be a good fit for us, uh, something you found on, on Itch.io or something like that from a creator that you think uh, is not getting the attention they deserve, uh, we'd love to hear it. Always looking for new games to play. We play one a week, so... Uh, that's quite a few. Um, so go ahead and follow us uh, on Twitter at EdgeGuardCast, and we will talk to you next week. 